Well, welcome everybody to EI on the Fly, our podcast about all things early intervention. Emily and I are super excited to be launching our second series on teaming and collaboration. Hopefully, maybe you joined us for our first series, which where we talked about functional assessment. If you didn't, feel free to check that out. Um, now we're starting a whole new look at teaming and collaboration, and we'll be looking kind of through the lens of thinking about different components that you things you can do to support um, being a good team member, respecting your other team members and, and collaborating across um, across whatever teams you find yourselves. So before we jump into our topic, um, let me introduce myself. I'm Dana Childress. I work in Virginia as an early intervention professional development consultant. So that means, you know, I'm on our state's training team and we've certainly had teaming and collaboration as a priority for our training activities here um, for early intervention service providers. So Emily, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Emily Webb. I'm the coordinator of general supervision for um, the Department of Public Health here in Massachusetts. And my job is really to make sure that we are implementing Part C of IDEA and our Division of Early Intervention. Awesome. Thanks, Emily. Um, So in this series, where Emily and I are going to be going, um, we are planning to discuss six specific concepts that are really important to effective teaming and collaboration in early intervention. And really, these uh, concepts are probably important to any kinds of teaming and collaboration. So we certainly welcome other listeners, too. The, the, the co- concepts we're going to focus on are an understanding team purpose, and that's where we're going to go today, but we'll also in future episodes be talking about sharing common tasks and understanding the unique roles of your team members, valuing and respecting each other, which is super important, communicating openly and honestly, which is not always as easy as it sounds. We'll talk about helping each other, and then we'll also touch on how technology can help teams work smarter and not harder. So, you know, you might hear that list, or you might think about teaming and collaboration and think, I do it all the time, and you might be tempted to press stop on your podcast. So I hope that you will hang with us a little bit longer because we're not just going to be discussing these kind of big picture concepts. We're actually going to be drilling down into them and chatting with some of our EI colleagues in each episode to think about what do the concepts mean, how do you implement them in your practices, and what are some strategies you can use when you're part of a team and you're collaborating with your team members, especially when you face challenges. So we're hoping to bring the real world of early intervention into our discussion by inviting some other voices. And so we're really excited that you're choosing to spend time listening with us today. So I'm going to move to try um, to, I want to move to having our guests introduce themselves. We are happy to have folks that um, we know well, some colleagues um, from Texas and Virginia, to help us think about um, this component of teaming collaboration, which is understanding team purpose. So I'm going to ask Rachel to introduce herself first, then Corey, and then we'll jump into our topic. So Rachel, do you mind telling our listeners who you are? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Rachel Moyer Trimier, and I teach the Introduction to Early Childhood Intervention class at the University of Texas at Austin. Um, I started out my career in early intervention as a certified teacher, early intervention specialist, and a service coordinator. So I um, came from the field, and I used to work at our uh, Texas State office, and now I teach the ECI class at UT. Awesome. Thank you, Rachel. I think we have a common path there, having been early interventionists, been service coordinators, and worked our way around early intervention in a couple of different perspectives. Um, so we're happy to have you. Corey, do you mind introducing yourself next? Not at all. Hi, everybody. I am Corey Hill. I work in Virginia, as Dana said, and I am the early intervention professional development specialist. Our team oversees the comprehensive system of personnel development for early intervention. 
much like Rachel and Dana, I have worked in early intervention for many years as a direct service provider, but my favorite part of the job before I got into professional development was doing service coordination and particularly my interest in family-centered practices. Thanks, Corey. I think looking at teaming and collaboration from the multiple perspectives of the service coordinator and the service provider is going to be really valuable. So I think that's something all of us are going to bring to this, those experiences. And then Emily um, has a, another unique perspective that she'll add as kind of the family's perspective as, you know, a mom who's experiencing early intervention too. So I'm actually going to turn it over to Emily to get us started and to, to help us um, orient us to our topic. Yeah, so today we are going to start this new series with a discussion about the importance of teams really understanding their shared purpose. And we know that in early intervention, we're really all working together to support the family. Teams work together to implement the mission and key principles of early intervention um, so that services and supports are family-centered, individualized, um, they should be designed to build on the family's strengths, we should really be addressing families' priorities and concerns, and then targeting outcomes that are really important to the family. You know, as EIT members, we collaborate so that all, everybody on the, the EI team, the IFSP team can feel supported. This includes the family, the service coordinator, any other service providers who are working with the child and family, um, outside community collaborators. And this really is the shared purpose that grounds our work together. So uh, what we want to do now is just sort of talk about um, how do we know when a team has embraced its shared purpose? What does it look like in EI? So Rachel, I'm curious, you know, to pick your brain a little bit about what do you think happens if you have a family member that doesn't believe or understand the team's purpose? And how can this affect the team? Well, I think that what it sometimes looks like is that a family who's new to EI, who may have been referred by a physician who doesn't quite understand um, early childhood intervention, they come in expecting um, a lot of different therapy provided, you know, throughout the week by di uh, many, many different um, ther uh, therapeutic service providers. And so... I think it is how it affects a team is that if they have a different, the family has a different understanding and the team is coming in and letting them know, oh, this is how, you know, we, we provide our services. There may be a disconnect between what the family uh, um, understands and what the team is uh, you know, trying, trying to tell them, you know, because the family was referred by a physician, they may question was like, is this the most effective way of providing services? Or should I be getting therapy, you know, multiple times during the week? Yeah, I think that's really important to think about. We don't want that disconnect, right? We would love to start with teaming and collaboration that's at a place where everybody has the opportunity to think about and understand that shared purpose. And with families, and I know we're going to talk about that a little later too, with families, we want to start at the beginning, sharing our purpose, helping that family member know this is why we want you here. This is, We consider you an equal team member of this team. And in fact, we don't have a team without the family. So they are so important. So we want to make sure that they we're including the family and the team intentionally but also helping them understand their the purpose and their role because 
many times families come to teams and they don't understand, not or they don't they don't have experience with that kind of a role. So, um, Corey, I'm going to throw this at you. How do you know then when a team has embraced its shared purpose? What does this look like with the, with how maybe how the team functions? What what would you look like to know that team gets it? You know, I think one of the analogies that we frequently talk about is that it looks like a well-oiled machine. Everything moves smoothly. People know how to anticipate each other. They've worked together long enough that um, they're not tripping over each other, talking over each other during conversations, during assessments, during the IFSP meeting. And with the family, it's about building their capacity that they are able to be part of that well-oiled machine. And I think that really starts from the very beginning, from thinking about how do we describe what the, what early intervention looks like, what, what their role is going to be, even from the first person who takes that phone call of what kind of language and what kinds of words and phrases are used to describe the teaming elements of early intervention. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And it just matters so much who sets the tone for the team. And for me, I think about the service coordinator is the person who often brings the family into the team, tries to set the tone and make sure that all the gears, all the team members are are working together well. So let's think about what happens if you have another team member who maybe doesn't understand the team's purpose. And so for this purpose, let's think about a team member as another colleague. Um, I'm going to ask you, Emily, what, what happens? What do you think happens when a team member doesn't really believe or understand the team's purpose? How does this affect the team? What do you think? I think it can affect the team in a variety of different ways. I think it can affect the team, how they work in the office. And then I think it can trickle down to how we, um, support families. And, you know, thinking about what Rachel had said, um, just a couple of minutes ago, is that, you know, I think not only do families not always understand what EI is because of their, um, you know, what they were told by different providers or their doctor or just, you know, what they thought EI might be. Um, I think that that's also sometimes true for EI providers who come into the field. You know, we we get um, EI providers from lots of different places with lots of different experiences, which I think is one of the things that makes um, EI team so cool and, new, and unique. But I think it's really important that um, as people onboard onto EI, they really make sure that the purpose of EI is clearly stated, you know, from hiring and then, you know, ever occasionally thereafter so that people really sort of are reminded what EI is about and what, you know, our purpose is and, you know, that we really are sort of trying to um, uphold those mission and key principles and everything that we're doing. Yeah, that's such a great point. The, the fact that people come to early intervention with all kinds of backgrounds. So starting at a place that's clear that this is this is our purpose. And we do have our mission statement, which is a great point. Um, but I lo- like even figure letting folks know when you're on a team, 
a specific early intervention team. This is your role. This is how this team works. I mean, we actually have to say those things to team members. We can't just assume that people know. So I, I love that exam- that um, strategy, um, Emily. I love, I've recently read um, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. And one of my favorite things that she talks about, she has a quote in there. She says it often is clear is kind, unclear is unkind. So when she talks about leadership, make your expectations clear. Because how do people, how can people live up to them? How can people do the work toward them if they don't really know what they are? And I think a state, our shared purpose is the same thing. Let's make sure we all understand. I also think we need, once we've laid the foundation for that clear, shared purpose. We need to check in to check in with our team members at the beginning and periodically to make sure we're all understanding our roles. Um, to make sure we all know what this is supposed to look like and how how early intervention teams work together like that well-oiled machine like Corey said. Checking in with each other is just really important. Um, we can also talk about what would this look like if it's working well. So and Corey gave us a good example when services and teaming are really aligned with their shared purpose as a program and as a team, this is what we want to see. So another um, strategy that, you know, I've certainly heard people talk a lot about when you think about teaming, we talk about rapport building. So I'm going to ask Rachel, when you think about rapport building um, on a team, what are some of the strategies you've used, Rachel, or you teach about or maybe suggest when you think about rapport building around that idea of how how a team functions and shares its purpose? Well, we talk a lot about uh, communication, both being able to clearly communicate your your message, um, your purpose, your perspective, but also, I think even more importantly, the ability to actively listen to other what other people or other team members are communicating with you and really hearing um, and understanding their perspective and what they are trying to communicate. Yeah, and active listening, it's like one of those things everybody thinks they do it. But if you don't really think about it, get feedback from other people, are we really listening? Or are we filling out, you know, prepping the IFSP and listening with one ear to what our other team member is saying. So really kind of taking that time to be to give that person our true attention. And really listening is a great point. Um, I'll tell you another, this is more of a big picture idea, but a program that I worked with really made a, an effort to host like sort of team rapport. And they would um, do annual retreats. So our teams could get together. We could address important issues as a team. It sort of built our um, connection as a team. And then it was also we could just do stuff to have fun together. So that's kind of a cool idea. I think rapport building, like you said, Rachel, kind of happens daily as, as how we with how we interact with each other. Um, but it can also be an effort leaders can, can take when they're looking at how their teams are working. Um, so let me ask you, Corey, because I know you've been a supervisor before. What do you think about the supervisor's role in helping support that un- that shared team purpose and collaboration? Well, I think like what we've said from the beginning is articulating that from the start and frequently throughout, that there's consistency, that the supervisor models that message throughout. But I think that the supervisor also has a role in sometimes getting comfortable with the uncomfortable parts of having those discussions. If there are challenges on the team, um, being able to have those conversations and kind of dig into what the challenges might be. Um, Sometimes that might be helping that team member who has a different understanding, maybe being with a mentor or helping to learn what that person's understanding of his or her role 
on the team is based on what they learned in their educational background and then coming to a team what that what the expectations are. So I think the supervisor can guide that process and support the the staff member if there are difficulties or challenges or misunderstandings. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I think it's also okay for a team member to feel like, I hope, that they can go to their supervisor for support too, because like you said, I think it's a back and forth. Sometimes I've had experiences where I was sort of struggling on a team and maybe struggling to, I can remember a particular situation where I was doing an assessment with a team member I'd never worked with before who had a very different perspective on how this was supposed to work. And I didn't really know what to do. And it turned out that it really was, I talked to my supervisor who talked to that person's supervisor. And it wasn't like, I'm going to rat you out. It was more like it was a system issue. It wasn't so much an issue of one person's misunderstanding by herself. It really was, it ended up being an issue that where we had to work, figure out a way to work better with one of our contracting agencies. So kind of connecting the dots, I think helped everybody work together, our, our one assessment team, but also the big, the team in the, um, in that system. So the supervisor, the leader of the system is a key player too. Um, so what we wanted to do is spend a little more time too thinking about a lot of these strategies we've talked about, building rapport, um, supporting each other, listen, active listening, apply to our family team members as well. So um, I'm going to turn it back over because and give Emily, who is a current family team member, has recently been a family team member, help us think through this. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that EI, you know, teams include the family. And I, I think we all talk that talk. Um, and it's important to make sure that we walk that walk. There really is no team without the family. You know, I've often heard um, EI practitioners say things like the team works with the family, or to tell a family, you know, the team will be coming to your house. And no, that that's that's not what we want to be saying. We really want to be thinking about the the language that we're using, making sure that we are um, our words and our actions are really telling the family that we always want them to be part of the team. Um, so it's I think it's important for you know all of us as providers to really pay attention. Um, so that we are really conveying that the family is an equal and valuable team member um, to the IFSP team. I always say when I'm doing trainings that if a family doesn't sign off on the IFSP, there is no EI. Um, and so as we continue our discussions throughout this series, when we say team, we really and truly are always including the family. So Rachel, how would you describe the shared purpose of an EI team to families? And when do you share this information? So like uh, Dana said, I think it's really important to talk about the family's uh, role on the EI team from the very beginning. I stress in my uh, class and then also when I was working on, in the field, stress to families that you know, uh, we're coming with expertise about child development, about uh, strategies to help support um, your, your child's development, you know, um, expertise in early intervention, but you are the expert about your child. And so I, I think it's so important to point out to the family about, you know, we, we're coming in with um, 
ideas about different strategies, different techniques, but we don't know how that's going to fit in with your family and if it's going to fit in with your child's um, likes and dislikes. That's where it's so important to you know hear your information, hear your perspective. And we definitely want to make sure that we are providing um, services and supports that meets your expectations and your priorities. As a family member, I think that that's so, so important. If it's not a priority for the family, they're like, they're just not going to be um, engaged in the same level that they could be. Um, So I think you're right, like, it's important that we really set the stage early with families about the mission of EI so that we can refer back to that when we're explaining the importance um, of those parent child interactions between visits. Um, Another thing that I think is really important that um, we have to remember that parents are new to EI. So they are likely going to need us to really describe what the mission of EI is and you know what our key principles in are and our expectations of them and the team's purpose over time for them to understand it. You know, when my daughter Colette was in EI and I talk about this often with my team at work. I went to school to get a degree in early intervention. I worked in early intervention at a lot of different levels. I was a developmental specialist, a service coordinator, a supervisor, an assistant director, you know, a professional development expert. And there were still words and phrases and terms that I was like, what? What? what is that? What does that mean? You know, and, and it really did have, even if I knew what it meant, it had a very different meaning when it came to my baby and my family and what that meant. And, um, you just have to really constantly sort of be reminding families of that and pulling them in because it can be really easy um, to kind of go the other way completely and totally unintentionally. I completely agree, Emily. It's funny I, what you said with um, family's priorities and the language. When my son was in EI years ago, he was just an infant. And um, it's such such a different emotional experience to be on the other side of it, to understand your role and to figure out where you fit in the team, even even when you know EI as well as you and I do, um, I remember that little sort of awkwardness for, for you and I having to switch hats, right? To go from provider to parent, but also to be able to think about it. It's just a different way to think about EI when you have to think about what people are suggesting for the thing that the person that you love most in the world. So I think we do have to carry that sensitivity forward to families and give them, so, so be patient with them and give them some time to understand what their role is because they probably don't have a a former experience or a perspective on which to base how EI works because I I think I've mentioned it before and then one family introduced me once and said to a friend and she's like she's part of this whole other universe that you don't even know exists until you need it so we've got to help families get acclimated to the universe I guess um which, which is, can be, some families get it, you know, feel comfortable right away. And some really take some time to figure out that they can understand our shared purpose, but then how do they fit into that purpose of, so how does, you know, we want to support their child, but what that might mean could be different for them. So another strategy we might think about um, is asking the family, when we think about that, helping them understand their role, helping them understand what the purpose of early intervention in the team is, 
asking them how they would like to participate. So Corey, I don't know, tell me what you think about that. I don't know if you have some ideas about how to, we're explaining everything to families, but we want them to be active participants on the team. So when we're thinking about asking them how they would like to participate, what might that look like? You know, I think that that's a great strategy, but it's also um, an opportunity for families to understand that there are many different types of teams in early intervention and that those teams might fluctuate. You might have an assessment team, you might have an IFSP team, you might have different providers who are going to do service implementation. And so helping families to tag on what Emily said, this is all new to them. So helping them to understand that those teams might look different and how can they best participate Also, their family unit might change for different activities in early intervention. You might consistently see one parent or caregiver or grandparent during service implementation, but maybe during the IFSP team, they invited some extended family members. And so helping all of those people understand their role, and again, that it's going to fluctuate depending on what part of the EI process really allows the parent to have that expertise of what works for me. Yeah, I think that's a great point. The, the idea of the flexibility that you have to have as an early interventionist, we want to help families know that that's the nature of the beast too, is that we understand that things are going to change and that's okay. We expect them to, but help families know that that's okay too. And our purpose our underlying purpose is the same, but how, how that affects the teams could be different, could ebb and flow. So it's a great point. Um, another strategy to think about, another um, concept to think about is who makes the decisions? You know, all of early intervention is involved team-based decision-making. So Emily, what, when you think about that from all the different perspectives, what are some strategies you can think of for supporting that team-based decision-making and making sure the family's included? Um, I... I don't know if I can, you know, I think that there, I really think what I said earlier about making, really making sure that your actions match your words. I mean, I know that I, I, I'm sure I did this where I told families, you're the expert on your child. And then inadvertently, my actions maybe didn't necessarily show them that I believed that. And I, I think that in order for, parents to really be the driving force. We have to make sure that we are showing them. We want to make sure that we are including them. Um, You know, we don't want to be like at an IFSP meeting and then sort of like writing outcomes for them while they sit there. We want to make sure that we're really including them. I think it's also, um, you know, one of the things we say here often in Massachusetts is that you as an EI provider should never have more information about um, a family's child than they do. And so making sure that we're sharing information openly, honestly, accurately, sensitively. Um, I, I, I guess I have to say from that family perspective, there there is nothing greater than when you feel like somebody really believes that you are the expert on your, on your child and that you... Um, you know them best and and when services are provided in a way that you feel that way I think it makes you feel really empowered Um, here in Massachusetts we have a key principle we have seven key principles and one of them is lifelong learning and I think all of this this whole discussion around making sure that families understand the shared purpose I think we're setting families up to really be um, 
lifelong advocates for their kids. You know, whether or not your child graduates EI and goes um, to the school system on an IEP or not, there's going to be a point in which you as a parent are going to need to advocate in the best interest of your child or your family. And when early intervention gives you the opportunity and the tools to do that, I, I it just, it goes forever. And it's, it's so, so important. Yeah, gosh, that's such so well said. It reminds us how EI might, you know, families might be with us for 15 months or 18 months or sometimes the whole three years, but we have the opportunity to impact a family in a way that could reach far beyond the time that the family actually spends in EI. So that's pretty powerful. Thanks, Emily. Um, I want to, I think we're going to start, get ready to start wrapping our episode up. We've shared lots of diff good ideas, but I want to give our guests a couple, an opportunity just for any final thoughts. So I'm going to throw it to Corey. I didn't know, Corey, if there's any other thoughts you had as we're wrapping up and thinking about, you know, any other ideas um, related to that, the importance of that shared team purpose. You know, I think the only other thing that I would add, as Emily was talking, I was thinking about this example when I was in the field where I didn't know who the decision maker was in the family. And it took a while as the service coordinator to try to navigate with the family. And it turned out that it was a grandmother who lived in another country. And she was providing information but I didn't know that. And when we finally had that discussion, then it was an opportunity and we actually connected with her over the phone. And so that that piece about the decision making and the sharing of opportunity is was such a rich example of families being the expert and having that voice. So I think that's kind of the parting shot I would leave. Yeah, thank you. I, and there's so much we don't know about families, right? And we have to be open to, un- to recognizing that, that we don't, there's a lot we have to, we can never, ever know as much about the family as we think we know. So we have to be open to that, how we how we think about the family, how we um, make space for how they, that individual family works is so important. Um, Rachel, how about you? Anything, any other thoughts as we're wrapping up? I think it's important, you know, to to be a good team member yourself, that you truly understand the team purpose and you take opportunities um, periodically to reflect on, are your actions reflecting the team's purpose? That's so important and hard to do. Like it's sometimes it's hard to recognize that, but unless you take the opportunity, like you said, to to really do that reflection, you can miss it. Just like you said, or what somebody said earlier about maybe they're what they did or they said not matching up to what their intentions were. We don't often know that unless we either take that time to reflect or or ask for feedback from others. And I think if you're open to that, you get that kind of feedback from your team members, or you can have the opportunity that nothing, there's nothing as powerful as observing yourself, right? Or having somebody observe you and be open to that feedback. So thank you guys. I hope that um, this episode has given you a little food for thought when thinking about understanding the shared team par- shared purpose on early intervention teams. I think we've talked about the importance of making sure family members are valued and equal team members, um, helping families understand their role within that, sh- that purpose and how that team is functioning, the different types of teams in EI. Um, I think we've talked about some strategies to support colleagues in collaborating with each other and making sure we're all on the same page when we're thinking about how to support a child and a family. 
So I know Emily and I want to thank Rachel and Corey for joining us today. We really appreciate your per- your um, perspective and your taking time to contribute to the conversation. We hope that those of you listening will join us next time where we're going to talk about another component of teaming and collaboration. Um, and specifically, that's thinking about how do we share common tasks and understand the unique roles of team members. Um, it's all part of making sure we're working together for the benefit of the family. So thanks for joining us today. We hope you'll join us next time. Bye, everyone.